Hi there. This is Luke, and today we have a special episode for you. We had a Zoom conference with our friend Joshua, and he helped us dig into holes. Welcome to Notes from the Silver Screen. You want to get taken away? Get frozen for all eternity in that god-awful machine and never see me or your sisters again? Do you have wife in Denmark? No, I've never been married. No? No, I don't have a girlfriend at the moment. The enemies with who? Everyone. You know what that makes me? An enemy. No. It makes me a Comanche. Yo creía que la fuerza de mi amor vencería su adicción, pero no fue así. El amor no es suficiente. Unfortunately, my son's not all that they promised. But then, who knows what he could do? I thought I got sent there because of my my, my family's curse. But we're not even at camp anymore. You know, we're we're on God's thumb. I just have this weird feeling. Everything's cool. Yeah, same here. You got the same feeling? Same feeling. It's a good one. Uh, you give him an introduction. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> <it's nice. laughs> All right, yeah, well, I mean, ahead. whatever you want. The renowned cinephile. <laughs> Master of the screen. That's Josh <laughs> Leifu. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I appreciate the the last name pronunciation. Sounded good. And uh, yeah, no, Masters of the Screen. That's you too. Or at least one of you. Uh, yeah, that's probably Lucas. He knows more. I'm just here for the banter. <laughs> no, I, I just watch an unhealthy amount of movies. I don't, I don't actually yeah. know much about them. Yeah, but so Holes, like that, I don't know. It's like an interesting choice to me. Why, why is it Holes this week? Uh, I just recently watched Holes. Okay, so just something on your mind? I'm not sure why I watched it again, to be honest. Uh, You know, with the whole world coming to an end, we have a lot of time to just sit at home and watch things. So I I went through all the usual things, and I came upon Holes on uh, on Disney Plus. And then, then, yeah, we just, I've watched it just the one time, and then about half, half of it earlier this afternoon. Yeah, it's kind of weird to see a younger Shia LaBeouf in there. Like, he's all grown up now, doing weird yeah. stuff. But. And maybe that's why I chose it, too. Maybe it was nostalgia because, you know, I'm chatting with you two, and, you know, we used to see each other in school, and so I just I chose I chose Holes. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting movie. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's kind of weird. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's Let's very, get into it. Like peculiar, I found, mm. especially like tone wise. Mm. I I feel like that's a very like early aughts movie. I don't think you could see a movie like Holes coming out now. I, I just don't think it would happen. Uh, that's interesting. What what do you think about that, Logan? Yeah, I agree. It has like some big names in it. I mean, I guess it makes sense because it's Disney, but like it's got John Voight and uh, Shia LaBeouf. Although like. That was like, I think one of his earlier roles. So he probably wasn't famous back then. Yeah, I'm pretty sure before now. Holes, all he had done was the TV show Ethan Stevens. Mm-hmm. And uh, that guy who plays Buster Scruggs, whatever uh, his name was. Tim Nelson Blake or 
Something like that. Mike Nelson. So I don't know. I thought the casting was good. Mr. Sir is kind of a funny character. <laughs> kind of odd. And, well, it has like a... I think they capture like the camaraderie of the group well. You know, how they interact with each other. Although, like, I don't know. if It's kind of weird. Like, it's not enough to make you question it, but it just seems a little weird to me how they're so chummy just because they're kind of mean to each other like at the beginning. Um, and like X-Ray, right? Like picking on him and that kid from uh, Forever Strong um, with the dreads was a zigzag in the in the film. But, uh, well, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they, you know, it wasn't like disjointed or anything. I feel like, you know, on a certain level that makes sense because they're kind of have a commonality and all being together and having a common experience. So, um, yeah, but that was just my thought on it. Uh, I agree that the tone, like between the, the kids, the camaraderie was there. Yeah. At other times they were manipulative and, and, and frankly abusive, but you know, I suppose what, you know, what band of brothers doesn't get a little rowdy from time to time. What are your thoughts on that, Lucas? So I'm actually, I'm going the opposite way. I feel like it was well handled. I, I mm. didn't feel any like contradiction between how they acted. Mm. Um, I mean, cause really they were just kind of roughing him up and, and putting him in his place when he was the new kid. Yes. And then, I mean, uh, we're not, we're obviously not seeing like everything that takes place cause they're in camp, you know, 24 seven. Right. But I feel like we have maybe, I, I could maybe see an argument for when he first learns that he's caveman. Cause it's like, we, we never saw like an instance of him like growing closer before then. But once the switches happen, I mean, I don't know. It all feels believable to me. Um, but talking about like believability, it's maybe not the greatest film to use that as a metric because <laughs> it's very much like a, a cartoon with real life people. Yeah. I mean, need some oversight on, on their like judicial programs or whatever. Send <laughs> people there in the first place. Right. Well, it's, it's holes is not a movie based in reality. It doesn't care about being a realistic depiction. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, well, it's from like a book first, right? I haven't read the book. I wonder like how you know what how the book is what that's like it's pretty consistent to how I was wondering was that adapted. too I was wondering that too and and on the the believability aspect yeah I mean I was I was watching this you know again with my fiance and she she implied that you know there were moments when it's it's frankly unbelievable as far as how certain things occur I will say that luck seemed to be a theme and obviously the curse and breaking the curse to get good luck again was also a theme, but yeah, parts of the, of the film were, were a stretch and, uh, you know, as a kid, you don't notice those things, but rewatching it now, and, you know, putting things together. I'm like, okay, so, so zero stole the shoes first, got rid of them, got arrested for something else or the same thing and then was there at the camp before shia got there anyway it's just like you, you gotta like just kind of you know squint squint when you watch it <laughs> yeah but i feel like that's okay it's like as a as a kid's movie right like it's a little simpler maybe mm. than if that's the right word than some of the other stuff and like that's what you want sometimes just a simple movie with some you know some good heart to it and 
and uh, oh, I agree. something to fill the hours, right? Just uh, fill the hours of public education. This was a movie <laughs> made for teachers that don't get paid enough. <laughs> yeah, you can have them to read show, the book and then to you show take their a kids. couple of class days yeah. to watch the movie. Yeah, and honestly, that those were some of my favorite moments as a as a kid in school. If if we were watching a movie or like an English class, we're gonna watch a movie and like write a one page paper about it. You know, I was that was my jam, so I was all in on those those assignments, and uh, and uh, that that movie was also very impactful. I feel like for our generation, at least that age group, I feel like everybody knew the, you know the, the kids chorus that opens the 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 movie, the song, you know, and and uh, so yeah, again, maybe maybe coming back to what I said earlier, nostalgia is at play here. Why I wanted to watch this movie with you guys. I guess just kind of continuing on with the the tone of the film, because mm. um, it is in many aspects like kind of characterized or um, like it. Uh, so I just think of John Voight's character, Mister Sir. He is like a a caricature of like this <laughs> cowboy dude, just like how he walks and yes, like he's like. Every reaction he has is like a 12. <laughs> He's just always big eyed and waddling around. And, yes. I mean, from, from the very beginning, you get that. The scene that sticks out to me is when we're first introduced to the Yelnats family and the cops walk in and there's like shoes all over their house. And he has like, there's like an automatic like mm-hmm. press steaming shoes and he asks the police officers to remove their feet so he can smell their to remove their shoes so he can smell them like i it's it's out there it's out there as yes. a film that made me, like i don't know it just feels that early thousands vibe to me that scene in particular i don't know it feels like that's out of spy kids or something like, that's, yeah just all the stuff going on the the whole setup of the scene and then just how like the characters are acting just and like kinda, yeah the soundtrack the grandpa too. antagonizing I think, the cops. i think there's like a song on there that's like one of those early thousands rock songs that <laughs> you know super recognizable or something but yeah a lot of the music definitely had that early 2000s vibe i guess very quirky uh male figures in the family the yelnats yelnats senior Yelnat Jr. or or maybe this I don't know the yeah the the second third and ju- fourth yeah Jr. and yeah exactly Jr. <laughs> third and and fourth yeah they they were quirky and they were entrepreneurial and one of the messages that I sort of picked up on was like and and this is from the granddad too maybe this was just him expressing his frustrations but it was like he said something like you know doesn't matter how skilled you are or whatever you also need luck which you know I I, I don't necessarily dispute but but yeah they were sort of a a seemingly obsessive, questionably devoted entrepreneurial inventor uh, patriarchy in the home. And the, the mom was just kind of like eye rolling the whole time, but, but was sticking with it. And then, Hey, I mean, it worked out in the end, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I worry for them if, if uh, things didn't turn out how they were supposed to at Camp Green Lake and the curse was, was lifted. I want, I worry for their, their economic future. I kind of like the, the granddad in that, the grandpa, like, you don't see a lot of him, but he seemed, I don't know. I want to know his story, man. Like he's kind of a character, like and mm. his little mustache and everything. <laughs> Adorable. <laughs> yeah. You reminds me of my uh, grandmother. She would always have like a quick frustrated excuse for something. If like something, 
is going wrong, it's like, ah, oh, it's probably because of this. Like he's always like, it's because you're <laughs> no good. You know, whatever the line Dirty is. Ron Dirty Ron. Still in great great grandfather. <laughs> yeah, and they were a superstitious family, and uh, but but I like that the mom, like in that one of those scenes, they were talking about him. You know, the the no good. Dirty, rotten pigs to end. But then she explained, well, you know, there was that time that, you know, kissing Kay Barlow kept him alive. And and so we were kind of lucky in that situation. Or maybe she didn't say that, but that's how I interpreted it. She's kind of like trying to temper the room because everyone's so, or the, 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 the men really were just so upset at their misfortunes. I like um, how they kind of weave, because it seems like there are three kind of, you know, stories in there. There's like the kissing Kay Barlow and... Dulé Hill, Gus, what, what was his name? Sam. Sam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, you know, the the whole digging group. Yep. And then there's the the ancestry kind of story too, I guess. Mm-hmm. Zeroni and it all comes and the together. Elmet. Yeah. Yeah. The descendants of of them come together. So, um, I don't know, kind of like that kind of supports, you know, each story supports the others and they come together in the end kind of exposed over time so i thought that was kind of you know to its merit one thing i think is interesting about that is i'd be interested to get like a a breakdown of the film because i feel like at least half of it is told in flashbacks Mm. because really the only thing we have is no i guess when he does get hit by the shoes we start there but then, like, the whole story behind the shoes is told in flashbacks. And we keep flashing back to him with his family being told about, like, the curse. And then we flash back to, like, actually seeing his great-great-grandfather. And we flash back to Kate Barlow. And we flash back to Sam. Because most of the runtime is him at camp. And then the whole story is told through flashbacks. So, Good point. Like, that makes me feel like kind of the... I, I'm still not sure what I'd say the point of the movie is, but I feel like a lot of it has to do with just history. And I mm. mean, I guess you, you like can't escape your history or, or setting things right. Really, he ends up in camp and he winds up going home all because of this history that he has with Madame Cerrone, right? Yes. Yeah, good observation. The The flashbacks, it was a, you know, a tool that they were using, but that also might have contributed to the theme. You're right, because so much of it had to do with personal history, family history, legacy, curses, luck, karma. It's a uh, it's a good movie. I mean, I like it. <laughs> it's silly though, but I love it. And what, what were some? I'm interested to know what were some parts if you guys just rewatched it that gave you a, a genuine laugh, if anything. Did anything get you a little bit? Um, I don't know if I'm much of a laugher at movies. No, I know there was something, but I can't remember it. It might have been uh, the doctor character. <laughs> yeah. He was kind of the goofball. I don't know. Yeah, he was a goofball. He had a mean uh, mean streak for for zero, for zero. though. Yeah, picking on him because <laughs> yeah. he's illiterate. Yeah, because he was yeah illiterate and seemingly mute. He, yeah, he was abusive. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing about that. It's not, it's not funny. It's terrible for Zero. I will say there are a lot of very memorable lines. Mm. 
Give me some. So I, I like when she's teaching the adult, uh, the when Kate Barlow is teaching the adult class English. Yeah. And it's like, the duck swims on the <laughs> lake. The duck may swim on the lake, but my daddy owns the lake. <laughs> yeah, that scene was I good. Like that one. That scene was good. And then obviously you got uh, Sam's, I can fix that. I liked when Mr. Sir's talking to... <laughs> Stanley and they're foreshadowing, but he's explaining the the rules and how if you if you find something, you know, you let me know and then we'll see if the warden likes it or she likes it. We can get the day off. He said, "What am I looking for, Mister Sir?" He's like, "You're not looking for anything. You're building character. We take bad boys, we didn't make them dig holes all day, and they turn into good boys. That's our philosophy here at Camp Greenlight. You know that that part. I I chuckle at every time I hear it. It's a great line." Yeah, and then you learn, of course, that it's not just uh, about building character because as soon as something is found that's intriguing to the warden, it's all hands on deck. There's this new enthusiasm. They're more organized. They start digging tunnels instead of holes or you know, connecting channels. And so then you start to think, or at least as a viewer, oh, yeah, well, it's clearly it's not just about building characters. And I'm sure the boys picked up on that as well. It reminds me of the, the scene where uh, the warden is a little girl and with her grandpa there, <laughs> I thought that was kind of a fun scene and entertaining, right? It was kind of unfortunate for her because, dang, that guy's so mean, yo. Like, mm. He said, oh, that's just too damn bad. <laughs> <laughs> She's complaining about digging out there. Yeah. So I guess she has some history, but mm. I don't know. Yeah, again, another flashback and another, like, history that mm. kind of, like, forces them on the path Repeats. to get her there to the camp yeah it's all interlaced yeah they were trying to do a lot of like interlacing and interweaving it's only like you pointed out three stories but they tried to do a lot of foreshadowing it gets to a point though where i noticed you know like some of the early foreshadowings they pay off later which which is nice that's satisfying but then some of them will happen in close succession to where it's like oh they're just like i don't know maybe they they thought oh we want to include this so and we like foreshadowing. So here's a line that's it, it, after a while. What I'm saying is, is the foreshadowing became predictable. Even, you know, even just watching it, I haven't watched it since I was a kid and I watched it once in school and, uh, and just, you know, just watching it this time I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. Here, so give me a scene and a few, I'll guess in a few scenes, there's going to be something. And there was, which is fine. But, uh, but yeah, they were trying to do a lot, I, I guess. And sometimes it showed, I mean, I'm with you. I think it's mostly handled fairly well like setting up and paying off a lot of things but, Agreed. and i feel like for the most part there's a fair deal of respect for the audience but the one part this the scene that sticks out like a sore thumb for me is um i i don't even remember where it is i think it's when uh shia runs off to find zero but yeah, I think it is that when they get up and climb up and he he starts singing and then they'd like fade back to like the grandmother saying like, <laughs> you'll be cursed forever. We're well aware yes. of the family curse and circumstances around it. We don't need reminder of you showing us the grandmother again. I'm like, I think everybody in the world understands at this point what's happening. Mm. That part just really bothered me. It's like, okay, just trust us a little bit, please. Don't hammer us over the head with, oh, remember the scene we showed you five minutes ago? This is what it was referring to. You need to, you need to get the, the training wells off eventually. Plus, that's the third act of the film. So it's like, or the beginning of the third act anyway. So, well, yeah. That's yeah. A, so it's like, you know, at that point, we get the, 
you know, we get the story where we've been following along. Um, again, that might be like the anxiety of the writer. I'm not sure. Just like wanting to make sure like that you get it. And uh, yeah, it, and it's not necessary. It is focused for kids. So correct. Maybe he deserves some slack for that. Correct. I just wonder, like we're talking about the foreshadowing, like to how it would play if like it was your first time watching it. Right. Cause I feel like for me, you know, rewatching it, I, you know, I haven't seen it in years, I'm sure, but I'm aware of the story and the contents and, you know, the everything, how it comes together. So how it would be seeing it for the first time and really appreciating all the, you know, the detail like that. And, mm. You know, if maybe, maybe it is necessary to a degree or not as, not as bad since you kind of know the resolution going into it. But I think that's true. I think the experience is, is always different Yeah, when, when it's, well, A, the first time, but also, I, I don't know. When I was young, I didn't think deeply about movies. I didn't, I don't know what, what I watched movies for now. And I'm sure you guys could comment on this, but rewatching a movie for a podcast, that's a different context. And we're also older and have, you know, different opinions and, and just a, a little more acute eye. So things, things stand out and what works, you know, you, you recognize and maybe what doesn't is a little more, more noticeable. Something that I thought that I, I clearly wouldn't have thought uh, as a child, I don't think anyway, but, but maybe I'm wrong. Uh, my memory might not be serving me well, but one thing I thought was very obvious and not, not please, pleasing was of course, a CGI lizards, which were a bit, a bit not, you know, or a bit, excuse me, didn't age very well, but yeah. no CGI really does. I mean, even these huge blockbusters that we see now, like I just rewatched Iron Man recently or, or within the last year or two. And, you know, there are moments in that where I'm like, Ugh. but, but besides that, there, there are also the points towards the end where they use real lizards. And then it looks like they just straight up put yellow paint dots on those lizards. Like it's very oh, they did. unnatural, yeah. unnatural CBA. <laughs> she, she has noticed that. Yeah, CGI is like, man, you can talk forever about that. I feel like, mm. I don't know, like Rocket Jump had that thing about how it's just a tool, right? And if it's good, you won't notice it. But if it's bad. Yes. And I feel like there's no substitute for a story, right? And if, if it's a good story, you can forgive all the bad CGI in the world. Like I love the Twilight Zone, right? And it just has a charm to it. So it doesn't matter how bad everything looks because it's just a product of its time. And so, yeah, I think there are things like Star Wars and I haven't watched that in a very long time. But the original one where, you know, you can you can tell that they're sets and that like some set pieces or, or um, costume elements are very <laughs> like they're noticeable now. But but I somewhat but I don't know. I just I feel like, yeah, with with intent and maybe with craft, everything Everything is kind of invisible when it's done somewhat well. And, and to your point, Logan, I think, I think story is, will forgive a lot too. If, if, if it's a good story, that's, that's what you're going to remember. Um, you, you know, we don't essentially watch movies just for, you know, nice set pieces, nice, good shots, you know, good cinematography, all that can lend. And Lucas, I like to hear your opinions on this, but you know, all that stuff can lend towards an immersive experience and, and it should, it shouldn't distract from the, the story, but, but then, then again, the story is what's most important and, and no amount of CGI can cover, cover of a bad story. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's all, it's all about the story. I mean, everything in the perfect film would be in service to the story. And I feel like that's the strongest argument for, for the CGI lizards is 
I mean, they're they play a pivotal role in in the story. I good point. Maybe not pivotal, but they yeah they are important. I mean, it's how Kate kills herself. It's mm. um how like uh, Zero and Stanley are protected at the end mm. until help arrives. One one question while you guys were talking about CGI and uh, the painted lizards as well. Do you think it would have played better to only use CGI lizards? Or do you think that's the right choice to do the, the painted real lizards and then just when they need like venomous hissing to switch to CGI? I don't know. I'd like to see maybe see all CGI. I think that might be better just because of consistency. Mm. I think price might be a consideration too, you know, especially considering maybe when it was made because um, CGI can get real expensive. Um, so I wonder if like it's cheaper to use real ones than, you know, in certain situations be. like they did than, than, you know, hiring an animator to keep making them. But yeah, that was, yeah, um, that's a good point. Yeah. And maybe I think it was especially noticeable at the end because it seemed well, like when Mr. Sir shot him, right, that was just all CGI. But mm -hmm. it's when it, they go back and forth between real and CGI that it's kind of disjointed. Yeah, that that's what I'm thinking about. There's the the two scenes, one where Kate kills herself because she picks up a real painted lizard and then they <laughs> cut to the reaction shot. They cut back to her and it's a CGI lizard biting her. And then they cut to another reaction and they cut back to her and it's a real lizard just sitting on her chest. And I think... I think that might be the most noticeable, but then when you have Zero and Stanley in the pit, it's a mixture of both because they have all the real lizards like lying around on the chest and on their arms, but then a couple of them are animated because they're they're the ones hissing and and everything. Because all the regular lizards, they just sit there and are just piecing out. <laughs> so. so how would you have shot the scene then, or throughout the film? What like let's let's look at the scene where the the first one where you know he's like don't move. Mister Sirs is pointing the gun. What seems like towards Stanley, at least to Stanley, it seems like he's pointing it towards yeah. him. Would you have gone with a real or a CGI lizard? I I th I think I would have gone all CGI. I think that was, I mean, you can tell it's CGI, and now uh, seventeen years later, I mean, it doesn't look great. But, but that's to be expected. Yeah, it doesn't look horrible. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it, look horrible. Yeah, it doesn't look bad. It, it serves I, its purpose. I think like they could look a lot better if they weren't so shiny. That's what it seemed like off to me. I don't know what it was. They just like seemed shiny. Like, was, yeah. was li something with the lighting or something. I agree. I agree. They did look shiny. <laughs> I mean, that's that's always the hardest part is texturing and lighting 3D elements because mm. our eyes so good at. Obviously, I mean, yeah. I'm not the one to talk about it because I'm not an expert in 3D or anything like that but it's the texturing and lighting because our eyes i mean every second that we're awake we're taking in visual information and we're processing it so even if like a shadow falls slightly wrong or a surface certain surface doesn't have the right scattering or the right opacity or uh reflection instantly it stands out yeah but mm -hmm. i feel like by having both real lizards and the cgi lizards mixed in it just accentuates the the shortcomings of the CGI. Yeah, there's some I good see. animations back then, though, too. Like, this got to be like around the time of Lord of the Rings, right? Generally speaking, mm. with Gollum, he came out pretty well. But I feel it's apples and oranges, I think, to a certain degree, because he's 
you know, cartoonish enough to be away from the Uncanny Valley in, you know, his modeling. Plus, he's more of a character, right, than a lizard. Well, plus, I mean, Weta Digital was doing groundbreaking effects for Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Like, Gollum was pretty much the best CGI character ever created at that point. Yeah. What about uh, um, Jurassic Park, though? When did that come out, too? Because that, that dinosaur in there looked pretty good. I agree about Jurassic Park. I don't remember remember Gollum much, but I remember Gollum from what I remember does not did not stand out like as being poorly rendered. Uh and then um you mentioned Jurassic Park Logan. I think that's another example of of CGI that in my head looked good and, and I don't know how it's aged cuz I haven't watched the original in so many years, but but even just I I feel like when I whenever I see clips of it now I still think it looks uh, completely fine, totally acceptable. I don't, I don't think it looks, it looks bad at all. But maybe my memory is again not, not good. But, it, but yeah, I remember not noticing it then, and and even now I feel like. But I don't know if, if you guys have a picture of it or I pulled up a picture. Maybe you guys have a different opinion. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, but right, yeah, just like the the uh, T Rex scene, it looks good. Like I think it would hold up even today. You know, to a certain degree. Um, yeah, maybe even better because I don't know. There's some, you know, even now CGI is still a problem for some people, and I don't know. It's hard to be too critical, right? Because the budget constraints and time constraints, and like for the um, Black Panther movie, for example, I haven't seen that. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie, but like a, a lot of people have talked about it. Corridor crew has talked about it on YouTube um, the how they scene. had that fight scene on like some kind of a bridge, and it's like a really ambitious. Um, fight scene and the studio just didn't have enough time so mm. you know sometimes it's just the realities of, of real life that come into making the movie that impact it and um, like I said I think that's why I just think story again is important I'm going to go back to that point because um, if it's got heart to it then you, you'll forgive that because you, you still come out smiling yeah I, I, I almost feel that I like all the the things I notice that are quote unquote bad about holes. I I like them. You know, I have like an affection for them. I'm like the, the, the yellow painted dots. I'm like, Oh dude, I love it. And (laughs) I don't know why. Maybe it's just cause there's something accessible to it. You know, not to, uh, you know, I'm not trying to promote low standards, but like, like you guys are saying, you know, constraints of time and budget, but you know, I, I don't know. I just, it feels it feels real to me. It feels human to me. Real in the, I guess, real in the unintended way. But, but you know, it's a kids' movie, and 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 I, I, I guess I used to be. I'm gonna be honest. I used to be a little more pretentious about films. I really did. I mean, I went to Walmart at like midnight to buy Birdman years ago, and <laughs> and I and I told them no, I don't want the blue Blu-ray box. I want the red or the black limited, whatever it was, alternative, alternate, you know what I mean? And like, and I was like, oh, you know, I, I was preaching the, the gospel of, you know, the, the one continuous shot of Birdman. And I don't know, nowadays I'm just like, and, and working with you, Lucas, and, and, you know, just briefly, but, but even just that, just, you know, open my mind to how difficult these things are or can be. Um, and so I, I don't, I feel less judgmental now. I feel when I watch a film and I feel like, you know, just, just, it, you know, but it's not totally uh, consistent. Cause I feel, I feel somewhat judgmental. Like if I, like I was just watching frozen two and I'm like, 
I'm having a hard time. I'm having a hard time enjoying it. So I, I hate Frozen too. Okay, so I guess in some some respects, I'm still I'm still that way, pretentious. But uh, yeah, I felt like Frozen Two was a bit heartless. I felt like it. I I, I didn't feel like it or soulless or something. That's <clears throat> that sounds extreme, but but yeah, with holes, I just feel like Logan. Back to your point about story. I feel like the story is heartfelt, and the writers. You know, really tried and used used literary tools and 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 film tools and yeah, okay, the set the set or the prop the prop designers, you know, they just painted on the lizards the yellow spots. Okay, like you know, it is what it is. Like I guess I, with this movie in particular, I'm I'm judgmental. <laughs> so maybe I just like to think I'm less judgmental now. But I I mean yeah, I I think I I lean more towards being perhaps a bit of a cinema snob, but Holes just has a lot of charm and. Mm. Maybe some of that has to do with nostalgia, but I feel like even at the time, it's just, you know, when it came out, it was just a charming film. It mm. was based off a, a beloved book, and I think really it's just the characters that that drive it because, I don't know, it's just nice seeing all these boys relating to each other and just having fun, and you're in this crazy world with where you're sent to a, a detention camp for 18 months for stealing one pair of shoes, and... You have to dig holes all day and there's just this crazy Mr. Sir and this evil warden and I, I will give him credit like John Voight and Sigourney Weaver and Tim Blake Nelson and Shia, everybody just they they went for it, you know? I agree. I, I feel like they they did a really good job. I really liked acting in this. I agree. Mr. Sir especially, but um Shia and uh the actor who plays zero i feel like they have a, a great relationship and it comes off as really authentic really just well done yes i'm a huge fan of of shia labeouf's i uh you know if we've we've all followed him from the from the you know the the original disney kid to transformers blockbuster star to just let's you know just do it the the meme uh, Godfather of all GIF memes, and I don't know, just just his whole whole journey. I feel uh, <laughs> impressed with. To like, I just recently watched him on Hot Ones, and he's a lot more you know mature now, and he's got like tattoos and whatever. And I'm just, but I you know eating hot wings, and I don't know. I just like I just like Shia LaBeouf, and I think he does a really good job. I think all of the the young actors in the film do an excellent job, and I don't think any of them really stand out too you know too differently from one another as far as you know negatively impacting the 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 scenes i think that they all do do a pretty good job really good job better than i would have done at their age i'll say that <laughs> i will say and <laughs> this is not technical but yeah i i, I like chatting with you guys i've i listened to i re-listened to a few different episodes of of the show uh this morning and and yeah, I like I like talking with you guys about movies because because then it helps me to think about movies more deeply and and I think most of the time I'm just stuffing my face with bunch of crunch you know I'm just that kind of guy that's that's watching movies but 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 I also have have a more analytical side and so chatting with with you guys about it it gives me the opportunity to to think more deeply and think about how to you know or express myself and and that sort of a thing so appreciate the invitation. Thanks for coming. Yeah, just what you were talking about it's. And you did, you did mention it earlier on watching it for this podcast is kind of a different experience. We've been working on writing a short film and 
uh, working on this podcast too. I think it has changed how I view films. It's more of a an analytical take on it, kind of. I want to understand why the story is broken down into these beats, why they shot it this way. So I feel like it's a it's a different way to enjoy enjoy movies because you don't just sit there and passively take it in. But I agree. Um, I I, I agree for it. I I see that. Logan, how about you? How how is this podcast maybe changed your perspective or or what do you like about about doing this podcast with with Lucas? Um, I yeah, I think for me just the way I approach a movie is a lot cuz I'm looking for okay, what can I talk about <laughs> when I'm watching this movie, mm. right? So you it kind of, that stuff kind of stands out a little more and you look for it. Just I guess yeah, you mentioned from a more analytical aspect rather than just for the entertainment of it. Um and honestly, I was a little surprised by the pick just because, like, I don't have anything, ba- you know, it is it is what it is. It's not like a terrible movie, I would say. It's, I don't know, it just doesn't, like, stand out in my mind. It's not something I would have ever picked. So <laughs> I think that's kind of good, you know, to expand your horizons and what we discuss. Yeah, and I am in this phase where, you know, I talk a lot about kids and, and becoming a father, you know, and my, my, my fiancé's, you know not pregnant, but we want to talk about what, we, you know, the kind of parents we want to be. And so rewatching this movie and thinking about maybe the lessons a, a child could learn. I I like this movie for that reason. I, I actually like the the message. Obviously there was the, the manipulative side of things. So I wouldn't want to manipulate my kids, but as far as like teaching them discipline and, and, and building character. I mean, you can speak to that, Lucas. You know, I know I know a little bit about your personal life or your, your experience professionally, you know, knocking on doors and, you know, even just, you know, religiously. And, and so, I mean, these are experiences that, you know, do or can anyway build character. And so uh, I was thinking about that. I mean, I'm not going to. I'm not going to make my kids dig holes, but <laughs> but it's a but it's a it's a funny movie to illustrate, I think, a good principle. Yep. You take a bad boy, make him dig holes all day, turns him into a good boy. <laughs> it's just that simple. That's just life, you know? I'm just, I don't know if that's true. I don't think it is, but <laughs> whatever. We'll wrap it up there. Again, thanks so much for talking with us. And yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Notes from the Silver Screen. Uh, again, thank you so much to Joshua for helping us out. And if you liked the episode, uh, feel free to rate, share, subscribe. And the episode's over, but we had a little uh, detour in our conversation about aspect ratios that didn't quite fit into the episode. So I've just tacked it on to the end here in case you're interested in that. Either way, join us right back here in two weeks for our next episode on Gattaca. You're still here? It's over. Go home. So, um, just as we're moving off the technology rant, I just wanted to shoehorn in um, mm-hmm. a comment. So we watched the the full screen edition from an old mm. uh, DVD we had sitting around, and I don't know. Maybe one day I'll rewatch it because I want to watch the the widescreen. But just. I I understand the the reasoning behind like Letterbox full screen editions back in the day, but I just really hate them. They they really <laughs> bother me. So it's all in this four by three aspect ratio, and mm. I don't know. I'm I'm a fan of the widescreen. Oh boy, there here comes the snob coming out again. <laughs> hey, 
You're supposed to see the movie as it was intended to be seen. So give me some some background on that. When they shoot the film and release it theatrically, what what aspect ratio do you see in theaters, for example, typically? The most common is 69, I believe. 16 by 9, you said? Yeah. Okay, and then then to home video. Six times longer. Okay. And then, so full screen back in, like, when VHS started until probably mid-2000s, they would... Uh, well, beginning in like 2000, they started releasing widescreen and full screen editions. Yeah, like DVDs. Because everybody has CRT TVs. Okay. Which is a four by three ratio. That's why like old TV shows like Simpsons. Yes. It has that aspect ratio. Um, but when they would sell people widescreen uh, films, they'd complain because, oh, I'm missing. I got these giant black bars on my screen. You're You're selling me less of a movie. And so they pan and scan or crop in on all of the footage right. to fill the screen, but then you're cutting off and losing information on the sides. Right. So, I mean, and it goes both ways because there was a thing where uh, when Simpsons, uh, I, I don't know who owns the rights of Simpsons, but now with digital streaming, the, the new streams, they're uh, expanded to like widescreen from a four by, th- so they're expanded to 16.9 from a four three. So they're cutting off the top and bottom. And when like they first came out with the the new digital versions, there was a you could see a whole read about the uproar. But there's mm. that Duff beer joke, where Homer's touring the Duff beer factory, and oh, there's yes. three different brands of Duff beer. There's like Duff regular, Duff light, and whatever. And the joke is that they all come from the same vat, but because they uh, stretched out to fill the widescreen, they cut off the top, and so you just have three vats of different beer and. So it ruins the joke. Yeah, I see your point about that. I remember seeing that online about that specific scene and how that affected the joke. Yeah. Uh, You have particular opinions. That's to be expected if you're, you know, an enthusiast, a real enthusiast about film or anything. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have these particular uh, opinions. I guess thinking about it from like the distributor perspective when they were sending out the home videos and you gave me some of the, the background on, you know, TV sizes. I'm not sure what their, where their head was at. What do you, what do you think they're like, why do you think that they, they, they sent out the, the, the adjusted aspect ratio? Cause that's what people wanted. That's what people would pay for. Oh, okay. They felt like, Oh, well, if I have black bars on my screen, I'm getting less getting of a movie. Less of a movie. Right, you said that. Where they're really getting more. Well, I, right. Yeah, I guess I feel that. But we, you watch movies now, right? It's full screen, right? Is there, um, and I think objectively, it just looks better, at least to me, right? So I think that's a good move, you know, a transition from what it used to be to I, what it is now. I agree, Logan. I think you're, you're saying, Logan, from, from widescreen to full screen? So what back in the day we would call... Oh full screen doesn't exist anymore. Now everything's widescreen because everybody has HD TVs yeah. with the proper aspect yeah, ratio. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Might have said it wrong, but that's what I meant. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, I think that too. Or I mean, I think that the way it is now when I watch a movie now, like, you know, I have, like I watch movies mostly on a 4K TV and stream it and it looks fantastically. But I remember as a kid, what you're bringing up, Lucas, the difference between full screen and widescreen and, and you could like toggle too. And you could like select on DVDs back in the day. Like, do you want to watch this in full screen or widescreen? And my brother was always like, like you are Lucas. now. (laughs) Anyway, I was just saying, uh, uh, yeah, widescreen, full screen. 
I remember that that old debate now more. My brother, my older brother, was always telling me to 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 do widescreen because because of your point. He was saying no, you can see more of the actual film. But I remember as a kid, I preferred to have the whole screen filled with footage, like just like all those other consumers that you might find questionable <laughs> as a kid I, I and I was just like yeah more more on the screen but obviously yeah there, there's the the nuance involved yeah anyways that was just a little little sidetrack but yeah I have been ages since I had seen a, something full screen so I just thought it was interesting and sorry I, I lost you really one, more, it. one more time I'm gonna so. <laughs> 